Welcome to the Volrath Feed. This is the show that brings you into the world of commercial food service. We like to bring it all to you, so we have guests from the kitchen, from the front office, from industry services, all areas that make up the very important food service industry. We have it all. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef at the Volrath Company. And with me, as always, is our producer, Justin Pearson. Justin, how are you? I'm doing quite well today, Rich. How about yourself? Excellent, excellent. Just came back. Uh, yeah, you got out out of town and was able to get a little uh, extra isolation. Right, How did right. that go for you? Well, it went well. We took a day just to do some local sightseeing. We didn't go too far, of course. And I have to laugh, though, because when my wife says, take vacation, you know, relax, get away from work a little bit, I think that's what it should be. But I think it's always like a sucker punch. <laughs> I know right? where this is going. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so I painted a bathroom. I redid the fan, some of the electrical mm-hmm. in it. I had hung a mirror, some pictures. Um, it's it's that yeah. list that you, you yeah. never have time to really get to. That Right. Shelves, hung some new shelves. Everything is just, now it's the time to get it done, I guess, so. Well, I mean, it's it's good to have that off of your list, so. Yeah, I guess. It, Keeps keeps everything at home, right? Keeps the, the happy life. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so today on our show, we have, um, we'll be joined a little bit later by Sam Elbendek. And Sam runs and owns the new spot on Polk in San Francisco. He's a um, sole proprietor. And I guess, obviously, by that fact alone, he's uh, got a certain attitude. He doesn't give up. But he's got a great story about things that he's he's just persevered with and, and just kept pushing on. So it'll be interesting to talk to him and I, I'll, I'll like it as well as, as my, everyone knows, I think my parents own the restaurant on their own. So it takes a, a certain type of person to, to want that kind of challenge. And uh, I think he'll have a lot of stories about that kind of perseverance. So that, yeah. that'll be fun. It takes a certain personality to succeed as, as a owner operator, but it also takes champions to rally around causes that are universal, they're kind of all out on their own. And, and when there's larger global issues affecting all of them, it, it takes these people to really step up above and beyond what what they normally have in their regular workday to come to uh, solutions on bigger problems that benefit everybody. Right, right. You know, the, the, the restaurant industry and that type of activity that you just mentioned, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, for many, it's it's... You know, it's the only way they could ever see themselves doing it. But you're right. In some cases, there's just that thing that comes from nowhere that you find yourself facing and you think, I'm going to take this one on. And, and these people do it. And it's always, it always turns out to be a pretty good story. So I'm sure we'll hear you know, some of Sam's stories on, on things like that. And I know one of the, the areas I think you were maybe trying to go there was um, the delivery thing he's pushed through, right? He, mm-hmm. he as you said, that um, these things come out of nowhere and they suddenly are impacting him and his business and his peers, his, his friendly competitors that are in this thing together. So he took on, uh, took on third-party delivery, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he sought to limit third-party deliveries to 15%, which I believe is not unreasonable. That's, that seems pretty fair, but I, I don't know exactly the amount that it was skyrocketing up to, but you can imagine in San Francisco, it probably went pretty high. Well, you know, there's there's always two sides to every story, 
in every issue. So I'm sure if we had Absolutely. a delivery company on, they'd tell us all their reasons why. And sure. So you know, it it need it. There's there's just negotiations that take place, right? And just the task for him to to take that on when clearly the the public was demanding delivery, third party, and, mm-hmm. and ways that they can get restaurant meals to people that didn't want to go to restaurants. So it worked out for everyone. I just think the task of getting the organization and the, the accomplishment that he had is really the noteworthy part of what we'll be talking about, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, because it takes a balance. If If you're charging too much for delivery and it ends up sinking a bunch of restaurants, well, then there's going to be no more delivery. So, so finding that middle ground is essential for, for mm-hmm. everybody to, to come out of this ahead. Right. And again, I think the key to this is it's not one of those things you woke up one day, got on the phone, called someone at city hall and got it done. It was a, it was a task. It was a commitment to a cause and seeing it through and getting it done. That is really that, that story of the accomplishment again. Right. So. Yeah, for and, sure. And delivery is not easy. Delivery no. is, it, it's a really tough thing. I think the years of people accepting quote unquote bad delivery like you you understood if you ordered a steak and a salad and everything from a restaurant you kind of accept that it wasn't going to be that great you just thought well I needed delivery because <laughs> I needed delivery but really it shifted now with people wanting higher quality delivery well yeah yeah there's uh, for the longest time we've been desensitized to the fact that the only real expectations we can have for quality and delivery was pizza or chinese mm-hmm. and I think we talked about that with with Joe Carbonara the other week and it really has shifted to to where people demand to have higher quality and more variety. So it, it takes it takes a shift in technology, I, I believe, to to get to that point. Because some items and most restaurants weren't designed to have their food leave their establishment and still be at a level of integrity and quality that they originally designed. True, true, and and then to take that to the next step, when that delivery gets to the end use to the and the consumer, uh, when it's not of quality, where's the blame? If you ordered a steak from mm-hmm. the restaurant, it's the restaurant, right? No one's thinking of of the middle person, which is the delivery agency, and that 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 steak could have ridden around for how long in that in that car. And so there's a there's a lot of things that are still evolving in that side of the industry. I know Volrath, you know, we introduced our delivery bags, right? Because we're trying to help both third party and the restaurants to be able to deliver that food in the best way that they can. And that's keeping hot food hot, cold food cold, organizers to make sure things don't dump or spill, uh, good sturdy grips that we have so that the drivers have security, backpack straps, all those little things that go into making sure that that meal, when it leaves the restaurant, gets to the consumer, the end person, in highest quality as as it can be. There's the right tool for every job. And whether you're building a house or building out some computer or doing delivery, whatever your job is, there's the right tool for it to get the job done efficiently and to the best quality possible. It only makes sense to have those those proper pieces in place if you want to deliver the quality that people would expect to have. Right. So the, the whole third party and independent restaurants handling their own delivery that's that's a thing that's going to continue to work itself out. I think the the restaurants to handle that on their own. Pizza places have been doing it for a long time, but third party, you know, they've got some advantages to that. And um, I don't know. Again, we'll, we'll see it. Uh, I'm sure work out over time. What we're in now is 
completely kind of flipped things around a bit. But <laughs> yeah, it's this rapid evolution that that we're all faced with, and you know, this is something that probably would take a lot longer and to to develop into something that would be standardized. But yeah, it's it's really sink or swim. You know, everyone's been thrown into this, and we're seeing a lot of changes very quickly. And it'll 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 sort itself out, though. Right. Well, Justin, as I said, I'm I'm really anxious and really want to get to our guest today. So once again, uh, we have joining us today, Sam Albendick from the New Spot on Polk in San Francisco, California. Sam, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the Volrath Feed. Thank you for the invitation. It's my honor to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate the time. I know it's uh, you're busy. You've got a lot of stuff going on. The, uh, the industry is... is um, you're starting to come back a little bit, so you get things at the store. And when we talk to people from food service, I always like to ask and, and hear your food service story because so many people in our industry got in. Some people got in because they got in the restaurant as a young age. Some people just took a job. How, how did you get in the restaurant industry? Well, I've been always been in the food industry uh, for over 25 years in the natural foods marketing and distribution when I met my uh, wife uh, three and a half, four years ago, she was working at a restaurant and uh, she was really enjoying it. She did a good job and she was like, why don't we do something together? And that's where that came to the idea of, okay, let's start a restaurant. And then uh, that restaurant she was working at was uh, for sale. So we tried to buy it a couple times. Things did not go through. And then at the end, they closed down that restaurant, sold it to a different concept from an American diner to a Greek restaurant. And that's when we thought, you know what? That neighborhood needed something, American diner. They needed the, the breakfast variety of items. And so we started looking that last weekend for that restaurant, we started looking for a location on that same area. And uh, we, after giving up, like the last, physically the last restaurant on Polk Street towards the bay, we found a Chinese restaurant that was really slow on a Friday night. So we called them, left them a message. They called us back in five minutes. We met <laughs> half an hour later and we gave them an offer that night. And we're wow. there now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was meant to happen. Yeah, I guess so. I would say. <laughs> but you, yeah. you, were, you said the first one, it didn't go through. And I'm sure there was some disappointment. It just shows that sometimes things work out, right? It, it doesn't always happen the way you think it should, but it works out, right? Absolutely. I mean, it, I'm glad it didn't work out. Yes. And uh, it just, the landlord didn't want to start a new lease before the end of the lease. So two times. We were ready to take over, and the deal goes off the last day. So when this happened, and the beautiful thing is with the changes of the menu of the other restaurant and ownership, all the team didn't want to stay there because they're used to something, and they don't want to change it. So we were able to get all the team together. They were working together for over, in some cases, 10, 12 years. So they mm -hmm. all came together with us, and that made our life so much easier, starting with a full team that's comfortable together, working together, and uh, it, was, it was great. And they're still with us. 
So we're still mm. as one team, yeah. Oh, great. What, what year was it when you did this with this with the location? What year did you open? Uh, we opened officially in May 27, 2017. Okay. So this happened, I would say, probably mid-April 2017 because it took us six weeks to open. So, yeah, around that time. So growing up, did you... Uh, did your family work in food service as well, or is it something that you stumbled upon later on in life? Well, to be honest with you, I was so lucky to be born in a family where my dad and mom both are great cooks. And then when I got married, my ex-wife was a great cook, and my wife now is an excellent cook. So I never had to cook myself. I just know <laughs> what I know what good food tastes like. So that is very important. Absolutely. But uh, <laughs> if, uh, if I fry two eggs, probably that's the max I can do right on the spot. <laughs> and that's why my partner, who is my life partner, my wife, she's the one that's behind the, the main touches in the kitchen. Awesome. Gotcha. Yeah, the restaurant industry is, is full of challenges. I, I know it's one of those industries that a lot of people go into and don't understand all the work that goes into that. And working with your life partner or your spouse, that can be difficult at times, especially when you're in a restaurant environment that sometimes can get very busy. And how are you guys doing it? Do you have a, a rule about what stays at, happens at work stays at work? Or how do you manage that? Well, we fixed it by being in different rooms all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way. <laughs> so it, it is definitely a challenge. That's the first time I had to encounter this. And it got to a point where it was like, when we go home, the only thing we talk about is business, the restaurant. When at the restaurant, we're always arguing about things. And so we it wasn't healthy. Right. And that's why... We have different responsibilities. So even on the weekend, the busy time, when we're both there, I'm outdoors hosting and checking on the customers while she's helping with the to-goes and the drinks and the kitchen and stuff like that. So we're in different sections. We still have that, like, uh, moments where we pass by each other, argue or something. <laughs> but, but now it's, it's getting better. It's like, I love Lou, I love you too. So it's uh, much better yes. now. Yes. Yeah. So you mentioned something there about to-goes, and we know that's something that uh, we wanted to get to with you because that was something that you took on recently, the whole story of to-goes. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that all happened? I mean, that was that was something you went to the San Francisco, was it council? Or how? tell us that story, please. Well, to start a little bit, go backward. Uh, when we opened the restaurant, we were at the time when the online was going big and getting busier. And I believe strongly in marketing and visibility, online visibility. Even though the rates that they were charging was a humongous, 27%, 25%, 30% in some cases, yeah. And you guys know in the restaurant industry, you don't really make 30%. But we did take on as many of those companies as possible for visibility since we were a new restaurant. We had good solid business at the restaurant, so we thought that's an additional thing. So we did not count for our labor because really it's they're there, it's filling in the gaps. We were pausing those applications when we didn't need them. But really it got to hit everyone and we felt it at the time of this pandemic. 
because then your restaurant became dependent on those online uh, mm -hmm. uh, ordering companies, third-party companies. And when you are now counting everything as part of the expense and you are not even ending with 15% or so and you have to give them 25 to 30%, you're in the minus. So might as well just close down and that's what a lot of restaurants did. Uh, at that point, to eliminate this problem, I luckily we have a POS system that we had online ordering, but we never activated it. So we got that going. We started telling the customers. We announced it on social media, on the website. And we turned our online ordering from 10% in-house, 90% third-party and online, to now we're about 45% in-house and 55% third-party and online. So that helped us a lot, but still it wouldn't justify the 25 to 30%. Mm -hmm. So I tried, I thought of many ways to do it, and then and I started my own petition. It was like 9.30 at night. I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I went on Facebook, on LinkedIn, all my friends, people work in the industry, and I said, please sign it and pass it on. Two days later, after I had like 300 signatures, I called the, the Golden Gate Restaurant Association, uh, Lori, the executive director, and I was like, Lori, I have an issue. I need to talk to you about it, which is the third-party online delivery system. She said, oh my God, I just got off the phone with Uber Eats, and it seems like a Postmates, and it seems like we're getting to a dead end. There is no solution. They're not willing to do anything. And I even explained that they have, the first week of the pandemic, my orders went about 300% with Uber Eats. So the increase of business should justify lower rates, but they didn't really budge for that. So then I told her about the petition and she said, you know what, maybe that will help. So she took on the petition, spread it more, we got to like seven, eight hundred signatures and then she had meetings with the city she took that petition with her at the same time with my contacts i got it through the city from inside and then the next day i get a message from the councilman's uh, secretary saying that we heard you and the mayor will be saying something soon hmm. and then when i talked to laurie she said yes we made it happen just a day or two, the mayor will talk about it. And that's when we got the great news with a max cap of 15% for the online third parties, which really made a big difference. Yeah. Now, at least that's a 10% extra that really could be covering some other costs, could be a little profit to pay expenses. So at least it made it feasible. And that's when more restaurants started opening up and... Uh, I know at the time they, uh, the city started the outdoor seating, <clears throat> Grubhub went right away and went back to the regular percent, but then the city enforced them that no, it's when the restaurant is in full capacity, then you can do that. For now, you got to go back to 15, so they readjusted that. So it is only during the time where restaurants are limited in capacity that that 15% is in place. Supposedly, but now they are working on making it permanent, which uh, I hope okay. so. Yeah. I really hope so.
I mean, that's that's incredible to get something done that quickly. I mean, government, come on, you know, we, we all know the speed at which government usually works. What kind of media presence and coverage did this cause get? What kind of exposure uh, was going around the city and, and uh, around social media? It was all over. I mean, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, it was all over. And the Golden Gate Restaurant Association, they do a great job with their uh, email marketing campaigns and on the group on Facebook as well. So they kept got circulating and going on. And also, uh, in as bad as it is with this pandemic, it really uh, got the a lot of agencies to work much quicker. Mm-hmm. So I applied for the in San Francisco. They're doing the curbside parking spots. So if there is any parking spots next to the restaurant, you can get a permit where nobody can park there, but the curbside pickup. So the moment I got the note about it, <clears throat> I applied that night, seven in the morning. I see signs on those two parking spots. Wow, that's So that's great. unspoken of. And many similar incidents where things get happened fast. The shared space permits for outdoor seating. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it was really crucial. If they did not move fast on it, it would be a disaster to a lot of restaurants. I think you're right. I see that happening all over that communities understand that uh, restaurants were hit so hard in the, in this that they're doing what they can. And to your point, very quickly uh, to help to do things that are within reason to help operators and, and people enjoy going out to eat again, quite frankly, right? That's a good, big part of our culture. People like to go out to eat. So that's great. Friday nights and uh, quick action on a couple of things there. Your, your petition came about and boom, you went on that. Your restaurant came, you went to dinner, made an, an offer and, and that happened quickly. Is that how you like doing <laughs> things quickly like that? Are you, are you typically more of a methodical thinker or do things just come to you and you go? I do plan things always. But the best uh, outcomes come when things happen fast. I was saying that's you've why got two pretty good success stories there. It's it's. Uh, I mean, it's great when you get the support and you you make it happen. It's great. So a, a lot of people don't realize that social media and digital is like a full time job in and of itself, and you really have to be responsive, especially in the restaurant industry, because, like you said, you have Yelp. And people love to tell other people how they feel about a place, uh, whether they loved it, and especially if they didn't. You know? So responding to those in a timely manner is, is critical. And a lot of smaller places, they don't have the PR training to address those negative reviews in such a way that won't make them look worse off as if they hadn't engaged at all. So I know that you have a lot of experience in this area, Sam. So what kind of advice would you give somebody in dealing with people who don't leave the best or glowing reviews on platforms like Yelp or TripAdvisor? But I, um, I always told people that when I saw a one-star review, it would take me three shots of tequila before I respond. <laughs> but now, but now, being an elite Yelper before I opened the restaurant, so I know how reviews are valued, and a lot of people, that's all what they do. They go to Yelp to check into any restaurant before going, walking into that restaurant. So in the early days of the restaurants, I used to 
get very emotional and defensive when somebody, mm-hmm. why you attack my gravy? I have it's hard. Gravy. It's hard not to be emotional about, about something you care about that right. deeply. Right. And then I had uh, an event with Yelp for the business owners. And one of the, Emily, one of the executive directors there, she's like, Sam, that doesn't look like you, the response. You're creating entertainment for the people. And that's when she gave me 24 hours to relook at a couple of the reviews and try to rewrite them. And I did that. And then she called me the next day. She's like, this is what a perfect Yelp page should look like. And that's now, instead of three shots of tequila, I count to 10, sometimes <laughs> to 20. <laughs> but honestly, it is so effective. I cannot stress it more to tell restaurant owners that responding to reviews, and I believe all reviews, because it's important to give a minute of your time to that customer that gives you that minute to write a review, whether it's positive or negative. But the negative, most importantly, as soon as possible, when you see the review, respond to it as soon as possible, because the person is still uh, upset, or uh, he just signed up on Yelp, he's not usually signing up on Yelp that frequent, so they still get the notification right away. And I tell you one example, one star review, I was able to turn it into three five-star reviews because of my response to them. So a customer was with his wife visiting San Francisco. They were in a hotel. They ordered through uh, Uber Eats. They got their food. Wasn't good. Uh, cold. Boxes soggy. Uh, bacon undercooked. So anyways, they wrote a review. I responded right away and I inboxed them right away. And he called me back. He said, I appreciate it. I never got any restaurant owner to respond to me that fast. So I invited them over for breakfast the next day. They came with another family. And they enjoyed it so much. They refused to take anything complimentary. So Mm -hmm. they ended up paying for everything. And they changed the one star into a five star. Then the husband wrote another five star. And the family that came with them wrote another five star. And this shows you really how important responding to the reviews. But, like you mentioned, it is a full-time job. I mean, now Uber Eats, you can respond to the reviews. Grubhub, you can respond to the reviews. TripAdvisor, Google, Yelp. So that is five main platforms that you need. Especially for me, the challenge is Yelp, Google, and Uber. Because that's our high volume reviews. Mm-hmm. So I do sit down. I also looked at the option of hiring somebody to do it. But nothing will tell your story or get the idea reached to the customer like yourself. So I every day I put like an hour, half an hour, depends, to just respond to reviews. And it's very important. Well, yeah, and having a response come from the owner, I mean, that, that's way more impactful than than somebody who's just on a digital media team. So to to get that kind of personal treatment and response to to a review carries a lot of weight in a customer's eyes. You're you're seeing the fruits of those benefits come around. It's it's in a lot of ways difficult to measure how far a good review goes. Cuz I know I've based a lot of my culinary decisions when I'm traveling off of how many stars they have. 
So Sam, in that instance you just talked about, you mentioned that uh, you invited them back in and they didn't accept anything complimentary. I know you, I think you, you offered them something. Do you find that sometimes just acknowledging that things didn't go well, is that enough sometimes just to calm that person down and maybe rethink their review or is your strategy usually to get them back in to try you again or to, to offer something complimentary? And if, if that is, have you ever had anybody that you think was just working it for the complimentary second visit or is that never really the case? To be honest with you, with the Yelp reviews, the people that come in, uh, out of 10, <clears throat> maybe 10 bad reviews that I responded to in the last three years, uh, nobody accepted or took the complimentary. Actually, one did and they really didn't want to do it. So I think those are sincere people that really had an issue and they appreciated acknowledging their response and listening to mm -hmm. them. And to me as a business owner, as a restaurant owner, this is a good advice when you hear, especially you see some reviews that really teach you something that either you're not doing right, you're not paying mm -hmm. attention to, or it shakes you up to remember that get out of that comfort zone and make sure the kitchen is doing their job right. Or the people that packaging, they're packaging the meals right so it's always keeping you uh, updated of what's going behind the scene that you are not really paying attention to hmm. uh, i do get sometimes uh, mostly with the online deliveries people that write the reviews because they want something free and i sense that sometimes i acknowledge that especially looking at if i have the option to see their other reviews you can tell when somebody has 10 reviews on their profile and they're all one star and all the same thing. So mm -hmm. you can tell this person is trying to get something for free. So I offer them a $5 credit or something just to really be on the good side and eliminate any escalation of any uh, problems with that specific customer. Because I, I think it's as important to try to uh, acknowledge the customer that had the bad review, but it's also as Justin, I think we talked earlier, just about the other people reading those reviews to see how the restaurant responds. That's equally as important, right? Absolutely. And that's why I always keep it to the minimum, straight to the point, showing good customer service, showing the willing to fix the problem, giving them the opportunity or asking them for giving us another opportunity of coming by and will make it happen the way it should have been originally. And then if there are more details, that should go into the inbox if you have that option, not in the public comment. Right. right. And I think sometimes as well as a person who reads a review about a product or anything, sometimes if things go wrong at points and to acknowledge that it went wrong from the restaurant or whatever business it is, I think is, is comforting to potential customers to see that, okay, they acknowledge things didn't go right that day, but here's what they did. Here's what they said. Right? You get a feel for that operation. And, and there is nobody perfect. So a lot of the people right. know that if there is a mistake, uh, everybody makes mistakes. As long as we acknowledge and we're working on fixing it, then it's acceptable, I believe. And then you'll see sometimes reviews where, oh, the bacon was undercooked, the coffee was cold, the bread was over-toasted, the eggs did not taste good, and the potatoes were not seasoned. I mean, when somebody has so many complaints about one dish and a cup of coffee, you know that that person is not really sincere. So sometimes mm. I say, you know what, 
I tried to fix my problems, but it seems like you were not happy with anything. So thank you for trying us out. I mean, yeah. there's yeah. nothing else I can do in such a scenario. <laughs> but people also see it. So I myself, even if I buy a pen, I look at the reviews. I always, mm -hmm. it just became a habit for a lot of people. And reviews do mean a lot. And this is the new uh, generation. I think it's, even now it's Google is number one uh, reference to people. Soon it's going to be the social media. I think it's going to take over even more because of the reviews and the feedbacks of people and the uh, uh, recommendations and stuff like that. So it is, it, things are changing for sure. I think most people are, are pretty reasonable and they're becoming more savvy in looking into where a negative review comes from. So I, I know when I'm online and I'm checking reviews on a place I'd like to visit, you can pick out those reviews that are just obviously have an ax to grind or they just enjoy dogging on a place or they want something for free. So nowadays you can kind of see through that and not really take those reviews seriously. And you're seeing more and more people that are like that. And they will actually go to bat and stand up for for a place. And, and they'll call people out and, and say, no, no, I'm sorry, but your review is BS. Yeah, I see actually even some restaurants do respond to them in that way. And that is wrong too. I mean, you see it's them. It's dangerous. That, yeah, very dangerous. So you see them not sincere. And I've done it a couple of times and I was comfortable with it. It's just thank you for trying us out mm -hmm. without even offering them anything. That's yeah, it. It's, just it's, ended there. It's it's like engaging with a bully. You know, you you just leave them nothing. You don't give them any bait to to attack. You know, it's just like thank you and move on. You know, move they, on. Yeah, yeah. Don't come back again. So, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Then we've talked about reviews in the in the negative, and we we know there are those. But in the restaurant industry, we are in a unique position to to join in with celebrations, people coming in and happy moments. And what have some been some of your, your happiest moments of being in the industry, in the restaurant business, in your restaurant, uh, New Spot on Polk? Happiest as uh, occasions by customers or just in general? Yeah, some days, if you think back on your, your time in the restaurant and, and there was good memories that that you have, what are, what are some of those? Is it the celebrations with people? Is it a particular customer that you've gotten to know really well? You know, what are the, 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 the bright spots of owning, uh, being in your business? To be honest with you, I, what brings me a lot of joy is when I'm hosting on the weekend. So I'm standing at the door with my uh, no-weight uh, tablet for the wait list, and I have two drawers next to me, one full of dog treats and one full of kids' treats. <laughs> so... All the neighborhood dogs, now they come to get their treats every weekend. <laughs> and it makes the owner so happy. It makes them so happy. And when we added the outdoor seating prior to the pandemic, uh, like a couple years ago, now it became like a, a dog-friendly street seating. So people come and sit there and uh, with their dogs. So at one point, you see like 10, 15 dogs in a six-table section, seven-table section. So it's really nice. And the other thing is when kids are having a meal with their parents at the end of the meal, I encourage them to finish their dish because I have a treat for them. Then we give them those small candies and uh, it makes them so happy. It makes the parents so happy. And really, that's an ongoing joy every weekend. So now when I go sometimes, it's not like before, but when I'm there, I always keep one pocket full of 
dog trees, the other pocket full of kids trees, <laughs> to keep it going, to keep them happy, and it it makes me happy, it makes them happy, and uh, I like it. I really like it. Yeah, it's the it's the people that we we get to serve in our industry that um, make going to work fun and enjoyable, and take some good memories with us, right? Absolutely. Well, and that's that's such a great way to create memories because really when a person leaves any given establishment or anything like that, after a while, the memory of how things taste start to fade and really all that you're left with is how you felt at any given moment. And it's those type of actions that create that memory, that create that emotion that, that ties it to positivity. And it's such a low cost way to do it too. I mean, <laughs> a couple of pieces of candy, you know, and some, some dog treats, it's, you, you appeal to those two audiences and that makes adults very happy. So I know it does for me whenever I take my dog someplace. I'm a parent. If you keep my daughter happy, I'm happy. I know yep. I have a lot yep. of friends. My brother has three dogs. So if you keep his dogs happy, he's happy. And at the same time, it's not really just it brings me happiness too to see them happy. Mm -hmm. At the end, Absolutely. we're in the service industry. So if your customer is happy with their food, the service, and you give them a little extra to make that smile even wider, why not? <laughs> Simple formula, simple formula. Yes, very simple. Right. I agree. And and just talking with you here today and, and hearing a little bit of this, I'm I'm sure your your staff. You mentioned you have a lot of them that are still with you from the first day, and they came from the original restaurant, right? So they've been in, in that um, with you for quite some time now, over three years. I'm sure you apply a lot of the things you're talking about here, just like to your staff as well, treating them well and enjoying to treat them and and that uh, they work hard for you when they're when they're happy right absolutely we treat our uh, employees as part of the family and that's why we call it the large new spot family which is all the employees together and you see that because of how much care there is for each other and we always appreciate i mean we give them the freedom to do pretty much what they want changing things around dealing with the customers because we feel that they are working at that restaurant as it is their own. And in uh, many cases, we even have customers that ask me, oh, uh, are they part owners? Are they because they really work as it is their own restaurant? And that really mm. makes me feel even good because you feel that is showing, that's the result of how you're dealing with them, that the outcome is showing to the customers at is, as it is their own restaurant. So they're really putting all their efforts. And that's a blessing because I know it is also challenging to find good employees now, with the, especially being in San Francisco Bay Area with the high living cost. So mm -hmm. we totally see that and we appreciate those hardworking people and uh, we try to keep them as happy as possible. It's that trust. They trust you to take care of them and allow you those free allow them those freedoms. And then you trust them to treat it as their own business. So it's it's a very healthy relationship when when you have that level of trust between operator and employee. So that's very positive to hear. It is it is a sort of a partnership, same as it is with your uh uh, vendor with your employee with your customer if everyone is happy if both parties are happy then it's successful and it shows good results for sure sam i got a question for you about about your menu 
What would you say is the most popular thing, fan favorite, something that you have a hard time uh, keeping on the menu because it sells out? There are quite a bit of items that... Uh... Oh, you can give me a couple. That's great. <laughs> okay, one of them, which is a personal favorite, which is the cornflakes French toast. That's like a sweet and breakfast item. And we make everything in it pretty much from scratch. So we get the French bread, we fry it, we put it on the grill. We don't fry it, actually. Then um, we put cornflakes on it, so it gets that crunch. Then we make our own custard, uh, uh, vanilla custard, that we put it between the two layers. And then, so you get that slight sweetness with the taste mm. of French toast, with the crunch of the crispiness of the cornflakes. Then some whipped cream, fresh strawberries, and blueberries on the top to balance the the health and sweetness. Wow, custard for custard and cornflakes for breakfast sounds like a, a good combination. <laughs> One of my favorite items. It's so addicting. Yeah, I saw that on your menu, and I, and I thought initially it was going to be deep fried, but you you do it on the grill. Interesting. On the okay. grill. Yes. Got it. Okay, that's that sounds really good. I'm on board with that. Okay, so that's one thing. You got to give me another one now. Another, how about I give you two, and I'll make it quick and brief. One is the chicken fried steak. Uh, yeah, I'm already sold. <laughs> uh, yeah, we make our own gravy. So uh, not only that the steak is fried like a chicken with the breading and stuff very thin, but also the the gravy, we put fresh Italian sausage in it, a lot of flavor to it. So when it's it's very not thick as solid, but it's thick, mm -hmm. not like the creamy uh, right, uh, right, gravy. Right. So it's really, so that's one of another item that's really selling well. And uh, our burgers are great. We use Angus beef. So we have the uh, ultimate burger, which is three patties, with three different cheeses, with a couple of slices of bacon on the top, and the fried egg to top all that between two buns. Wow. So, yeah. And we have one customer that comes every five, six weeks, and he gets double ultimate, and he eats it all. And, and he's skinny. Oh, my. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because it probably fills him up for that entire five to six weeks, and then he's ready to eat again. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think I gained weight hearing about that burger. Oh, that's all that's I awesome. I can't. So do you use, um, like, local sources for, like, like, your French toast? Do you make an effort there to keep things local? We do our best to keep things organic, if not the natural, and, of course, local and seasonal whenever possible. And the bread comes from one of the oldest San Francisco bakeries from the 1939. It's called Widemeyer Bakery. And they have amazing breads and uh, freshly delivered every day. So, yeah, that makes a big difference, absolutely. Fantastic. One other thing I wanted to make sure we, we, um, we acknowledge here is you, TripAdvisor. We talked about Yelp. We talked about Google. But TripAdvisor, you've uh, recently received a, a nice rating from them. Is that right? Yes, we were on the Travelers. Uh, we got a notification like a few weeks back that we have been on the top 10% worldwide uh, with reviews, and we were selected for the Travelers' Choice for 2020. Yeah, congratulations. Wow. Thank you. Thank Bravo. you so much. Yeah, yeah. this is TripAdvisor. It's like I feel it's like the Euro European Yelp or the worldwide Yelp. 
So in some areas, when we have tourists, that's when we get busier with TripAdvisor. So now it's been a little bit slower because tourism is kind of to the minimum. But yeah, it's it's always great to add those certificates or uh, acknowledgements from uh, those uh, platforms where we can really just, uh, we have a, a wall of fame, I call it. <laughs> so we have all the reviews, the write-ups, we have them there. It's nice acknowledgement. It's in a way, it gives us like uh, credit to the hard work we're doing. So we do appreciate yeah. it. And of course, if it wasn't for the customers and their reviews, we would not really achieve those accomplishments. Yeah. It's kind of like walking into a doctor's office and seeing their credentials on the wall. At a quick glance, you can say, okay, these guys check out. I think I can trust them. <laughs> I, I know that I like to, uh, sometimes I like to cross-check TripAdvisor with Yelp. I'll, I'll check out a place. My, my wife uses TripAdvisor uh, more, and I'm more of a, a kind of a Yelp person. But it's interesting to see how any given place lines up with uh, their reviews across both platforms. Generally, it's, it's pretty, they're pretty on par, but sometimes you get some, some vastly different uh, reviews and ratings. Uh, is it pretty consistent for you? It's very rarely happening where you see a person, and I saw that maybe three times in the last three years, they would leave a review on Google, on Yelp, and on TripAdvisor. Same exact review, <laughs> just copy-paste. So it's good sometimes because that really gives the opportunity for everyone to see it, whether you use that mm -hmm. platform or another. But at the same time, it's like I assume it takes them triple the time to do it. So well, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I mean, it's good to do it. <laughs> we'll take it. I mean, at TripAdvisor, we see a lot of reviews that are not even written in English. So that even tells mm -hmm. you that it's really... it's a more of a worldwide thing than it is Yelp. Even though I know Yelp has been growing in other countries as well. But uh, yeah, I think every platform has the advantages of, of those feedbacks to the restaurant. And they always give you the chance to respond to all of them and interact with the customer. All right. Well, well Sam, thank, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk with us today and, and sharing your story. It's been... Uh, Really interesting and fun chatting with you. Uh, what a great story as far as how you got into your restaurant business and uh, and what you're doing now and, and just the the uh, interesting way that you went about uh, taking some action with what you thought was helpful, going to be helpful for the restaurant industry as a whole with um, taking that petition out. That you know, Good stories there. Really interesting to hear about how you went forward with that. And... Uh, so if anybody is out there listening and they want to look at your restaurant or find out anything more about that spot on Polk, how, how would you, new spot on Polk, how would you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, there are a couple ways you can do it. I would say the website, uh, which is the new spot on Polk.com. And uh, you can also go into our social media through Facebook as well, the new spot on Polk, uh, on Instagram on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. Super. All right. And Sam, as we always like to end our show with our guests, we everyone at some point in their life or their career has someone that's inspired them in some way, or maybe it's a uh, something you've read, a quote or something. Do you have anything like that where something that someone has said to you or a quote you've, you've read that's really just stuck to you and kind of inspired or driven you in a certain way, anything like that at all you'd like to share? Well, my uh, very popular word in the last few months 
has been changes. And uh, talking to other friends in the restaurant industry, I just told them, embrace changes. Really, it's that's the time that we have to really implement the changes to survive. And uh, that reminds me of a couple quotes, as a matter of fact. Jack Welch from General Electric said, change before you have to. Change before you have to. Mm. And mm -hmm. uh, you got to be prepared. And then mm -hmm. also, change is the law of life. And those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. That's by John F. Kennedy. Two pretty good ones there. That says a lot about changes, and that's why I believe strongly that changes are important for all restaurant owners. We cannot keep running our business as uh, 10 years ago or even 10 months ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, I say, two very good uh, quotes from two pretty successful people there, right? So good, good stuff. Thank you, Sam, for that. And again, just what a pleasure it's been chatting with you, and uh, we wish you the best uh, going forward in, in your uh, in your restaurant. We appreciate you again the time you took with us today. So thank you. Thank you so much, gentlemen. It was really a great pleasure being here and I appreciate uh, what you guys doing. I've been listening to the uh, to your previous uh, episodes. Amazing. Keep it up. Thank you so much. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. thank you. And take care. <laughs> All right. Uh, Justin, any closing thoughts from you? Yeah. Like always, I would like to remind everyone to please Hit that subscribe button. Never miss another moment with a chef or food service industry professional again. All right, perfect. And also to everyone, if there's anything at all you'd like us to cover on the show, comments, anything that we've had on past shows, we'd love to hear from you. So please reach out to us and let us know at ballrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. And as I like to end every show, just by saying, don't worry about the other guy and what they're doing. Just focus on what you do best and no one's going to beat you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you have a great week ahead. So until next time, take care. <laughs>